Hello, listeners, and welcome back to The Dreaded Question. Today's guest is Cora O'Neill, who's an amazingly talented actor, a published author, and a wonderfully wire-aligned health coach with her own business. In today's episode, you'll hear us refer to her health coaching business as Bloom. But since we've recorded this episode, she's completed the rebranding she shared with us, and it is now called Unstuck Health, which I'll of course be linking in the show notes. I met Cora through previous TDQ guest, Melissa Robinette, and I've been so excited to have her on the show. She's unbelievably smart, incredibly self-aware, and such an inspiration. Cora and I recorded today's episode at her apartment in Brooklyn on a very rainy day, so please enjoy some soothing, ASMR-like sounds of raindrops intermittently throughout this episode. So without further ado, let's find out what Cora O'Neill is up to. So, Cora O'Neill, <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, my, my response to this I hate this question, mm-hmm. as most do. Yes. Um, I hate it as an actor. I hate it as somebody with three careers. Wow. And I hate <laughs> writing, acting, and bloom health coaching. Yeah. Um, and I also hate it as a rebel with The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Let's talk about The Four Tendencies. Okay. The Four Tendencies are, and this is also something I use in my health coaching practice. So um, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, It's how you respond to internal and external pressures. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, a lot of actors tend to be obligers. Yeah. Um, They really like to um, have somebody to keep them accountable. They're not very good at internal pressures. They're very good at having an external something to answer to. Yeah, they tend Um, to do well with, like, an accountability partner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm a rebel, which means that I... Of course you are. I hate both. (laughs) And I'm such a rebel that I didn't want to be a rebel. You were rebellious against being a rebel? Yes. I I get very meta in that way often. Um, I'm the oldest of four, um, so I wanted to be an upholder. Yeah. I wanted to be the... I respond to both, because clearly that person is... uh, Somebody who responds to internal and external pressures is going to be like... A, a boss as individual yeah. who's going to do real well and uh, succeed and all of these things. Oh, I'm a rebel. Yeah. Rebel. I also believe that in the four tendencies, there are, <laughs> like in the zodiac, the sun, is it sun sign and moon sign? Yeah. And the moon sign is what you really are, and the sun sign is what people see you as, or is it the other way around? Okay, I love explaining this as like a house. Uh-huh. Zodiac as a house because your three most important, depending on what school of thought you're going to for your zodiac sign. Of course. <laughs> your three most important signs are your sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign. Right. And your sun sign, if, if you're a house, your sun sign is like the shape of the house. Like uh-huh. you're a condo, you're an apartment, you're a ranch style. Yes. Your moon sign is what you fill the house with. Uh-huh. And your rising sign is what the house looks like. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'm a... I don't know what my rising... I guess my rising and my sun probably would be obliger, but my moon is upholder. I'm secretly an upholder, but everyone <laughs> who knows me thinks I'm an obliger. Yeah, yeah. And then we didn't talk about the fourth tendency, a questioner. Questioner. Yes. And questioners 
it's kind of like they have very strong internal expectations. Yes. They don't respond to external, but because it's internal expectations and, like, how are they supposed to know things, they right. do all the research ever so that they can make the best decision possible. Yes, and I feel like probably when they <clears throat> receive, like, some sort of external motivation, they question it. They say, well, why do you need me to do that? Or how do you want me to do that? Or well, what What does that really mean? Or yeah. there's usually a million follow-up questions with yeah. questioners, as one could guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you also did a really beautiful job of skirting the dreaded question. So I, <laughs> I'm very good at that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. But first, let's dive into these 72,000 other things. Uh, so let's, let's talk about it. What are you up to? <laughs> Um, so much and so little at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I say so little because it's not, I'm not in a show. Sure, but why is that, why does that mean little? Because that's what I want to be doing. Sure. (laughs) That's like, you know. That doesn't mean you're doing nothing. I know, I know. That's why I say so much and so little at the same time. Because the goal is to be doing a show, to be working on a a theatrical work. Mm -hmm. And so much at the same time because I... I'm working on building up Bloom more and more. I'm yeah. uh, working on the fifth edit of a novel I've been working on for over a decade. And is this is, would be your second book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, a the published f- author. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I wrote the first book that I published, uh, Deflating Depression. Uh, it's uh, integrative depression treatments. It's not about to take these meds or anything that a doctor would prescribe, but it's very much like sunlight is helpful for these reasons, community, um, coming home to a hug. Yeah. And it's it's super simple. I think there is there's like six chapters. Yeah. And it's just a little pocketbook of like things that you can do to help yourself, either in conjunction with medication or in lieu of medication. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something that I want to help people with, uh, with Bloom, because I, I've had depression my entire life. Yeah. Um, and I've never gone the conventional route to take care of it. Okay. Um, so I... Because you're a rebel. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, helping people, um, in that unconventional way to help themselves. Yeah. Would you almost think of it as like depression life hacks? Yes. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah, like things you can tangibly do, mm-hmm. not bogged down by, you know, all of these, we'll try this, try this, like all these alternatives or, you yeah. know, tons of scientific research. Not that it's not scientific, but yeah, you know, there's like those totally, are the things that when there's you're... There's clinical studies in there, but also it is like I do have the four tendencies in there. Wow. Great. It's, uh, I think every cha- almost every chapter had a point to a quiz that you could take to further define like how your own brain works so that you can place yourself in what works better for you yeah so you can figure out how to help yourself in the best way yeah um a big thing about health coaching is uh living by bio individuality which is tell me about it yeah which is that everybody's different sure what works for me doesn't work for you works for you might not might not necessarily work for me right um and when we talk about conventional Western medicine or even conventional Eastern medicine. It's all very, this is healthy. This yeah. is unhealthy. Yeah. But that's not how it works for human bodies because we're all so different. Like, we all look so different. Right. Why would we all work the same way? So that's that's very much something that I am trying to 
not solve, but like help people through with Bloom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk to me more about Bloom. Bloom is Cora's health coaching practice. What inspired you to start it? How is it going? Where do you see it going? <laughs> oh God, I don't know where I necessarily see it going because I have like. I'm a dreamer. Yes. <laughs> According to I love I love self-defining quizzes. Um, the the Adobe Creative Quiz. I'm a dreamer. So I'm, I'm a, a thinker. <sighs> yes. Yes. Um, I have a big dream that it's going to be uh, like have a place in Flatiron for some reason. Like I wanted to be in Flatiron Ooh. with multiple coaches and multiple trainers um, to just give people like a full rounded view of how they can work their health, yeah. both from like a physical movement standpoint and nutrition and spiritual and all of that stuff but the journey with bloom started by seeing my own health coach y'all fair alvin she's amazing mm, i've heard <laughs> so much about her she's great and i it's funny because like i'm kind of the opposite of a health coach than she is she's okay. very um motherly she's very yes. nurturing and i am very type a like well, how are you feeling? Good. Yeah. Let's let's build from there. Mm. Yeah. Which tendency do you think would respond best to your coaching style? To her coaching style? To My, yours? Uh, probably upholder. Mm. Not not so much an obliger necessarily. Yeah. An obliger would probably be more Pharaohs. Yeah. 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 Also rebels. I, was I, under- say, I understand your brain. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so first, I saw Farah. She changed my life because mm. I. My dad's a doctor. My, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a lawyer. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to be in professions that don't have ladders when your parents are in professions that have ladders. With very clear ladders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're both very supportive, which is great. But I was raised on the idea that, and we're going to get real deep about Cora's upbringing here, y'all. <laughs> uh, I was raised on the idea that eating a thousand calories a day was healthy. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's not. Definitely not. It's definitely not. I know very little about nutrition and I know that. <laughs> yeah. I ate three vegetables throughout my whole childhood and one of them was potato. <sighs> right. Sure. Mm-hmm. My favorite vegetable. I yeah. Guess. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but I, my nutrition was awful and my body really suffered for it and my my mental state really suffered for it um i think it was a very big contributor to the depression that i've dealt with for a long time interesting um oh yeah uh 92 could be quoting that wrong but 92 percent of the serotonin in your brain is created in your gut because our microbiomes are very important yeah yeah so yeah, I saw Farah, and she completely changed the idea of what I thought health to be. Mm-hmm. To be from, hey, like, it's just about surviving and just, just get sleep when you can and really just right. were, be a cog in the machine of nose to the grindstone. Because also, I'm from New York. <laughs> right. So this, the New York City mentality, I mean, I'm from the suburb, but the New York City mentality is very much eminent yeah yeah it's it's all I've known and it's all my parents have known because they're also from New York right I've always been interested in health mm-hmm. um like Jen Wallman has uh has mentioned uh the thing that you wanted to do when you were a child if you distill it down into something that's like what really like more along the lines of what your why is yes but uh, as a kid, I wanted to be a singing veterinarian. A singing veterinarian. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Oh, kids are so specific. I love it. Yep. I, I wanted to heal animals or more animal living creatures that couldn't speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
perform with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, when I went to college, actually, I started in cellular and molecular biology. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, this is deep rooted for you. <laughs> yep. Um, I didn't actually go to school for theater. Um, I finished with a writing degree, but wow. and I went from pre-vet to writer through to the course of three actor. and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, it just once once Farah blew my mind, it just made sense that oh hey, this is a route I could take in conjunction with um, a theatrical and writing career because yeah. it doesn't take four to ten years of training and it's it's very much a, a make your own way, which I love as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it gives you so much freedom mm-hmm. and and so when did you? Like, what kind of made you decide to go ahead and go for it and get the, what do you call it, a degree in nutrition or a it's certification? A, it's a certification. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, uh, health coaching is not being a nutritionist. Um, just, I have to yeah, please. make that distinction. Please um, do. It is not within the scope of my practice to say, you're low in potassium, eat some bananas. Great. That's that's not my job. I can't do that. I can't do that, and I don't want to do that. Then please, let's take a moment to like <laughs> give you the paintbrush to paint for us a little bit more what a health coaching looks yeah. like. Yeah, um, health coaching is it's mainly working with bioindividuality and primary food. Okay. Um, and primary food is not what you can find in the fridge. Um, okay. That's just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, it's very much like what feeds your soul in a way. It's your relationships, it's your career, it's your finances, mm. how you feel about education, your education. It's where, how you feel about yourself. Yeah, like what's fueling your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and definitely a big part of that is your relationship to your body and your health. Mm. Um, because the idea is that what feeds your life is going to affect how your body responds and what state your body is in as you go about that life. Yes. Yeah, like, uh, oof, I love this example, and it's so horrible at the same time. They did a study where they took um, a group of people who did not have cancer and told them they had cancer, and they developed cancer. There was a, a, not all of them, a high percentage, something like in the, somewhere between 50 and 80% developed cancer. I feel like I've heard about this before. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's the nocebo effect, I do believe it's called. Um, and it's... On straight paper, it's a good example of how what you believe about yourself it will become true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I I like to think of it like there's also a broader sense to think of it uh, for your primary food in that how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. is how your body will react. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then uh, the other element you said was bioindividuality. Bioindividuality. <laughs> Yeah, the idea that uh, everybody's different and everybody needs different things and resources and nutrients and a different movement diet. Yes, I, I I have so many people that I follow in the bio world. Yeah, there's this amazing woman, Katie Bowman, who talks about a movement diet and how, like, actually, you don't need to go to the gym. You just need to move your body in different yeah. ways all day yeah um yeah that was tangent but no and so then so then what does a a typical coaching look like for for you and your clients if someone comes in to speak to you 
what does that kind of look like? It looks like a lot of listening. <laughs> it's it's a coaching session. So uh, we start off with what's new and good. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about what's new and good? Mm-hmm. What have you struggled with? Um, you also the session before you will have had three things to work on, like for homework. Right. Uh, one of my clients right now, the first one that's coming to mind, is uh, trying to work on her hormonal health to get. Uh, a period that doesn't kill her. Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very worthy mission. Yeah, uh, and then totally a doable one um, in the scope within the scope of a health coaching practice. Yeah, that's um, so interesting to hear. Well, it's, it's also working with uh, Woman Code and Alyssa Vitti's work, right? Because that's like what she's all about, and uh, it's it's a lot of client talking about and working through what they need because. A big idea about moch coaching anything is that you already know what you need. Yes. You need somebody to just be that. either a sounding board or to confirm it or to help you find that answer within the mess that you've decided is the answer. Yeah. Yeah, so like a normal session is very much not me sitting there telling somebody what to do. Right. It's you have a, a very good idea of how your body works already. Yeah. I'm just here to help you... F- wade through the mess. Right. You have the knowledge to help the issues that they're trying to solve or, yeah. you know, like help them develop whatever it is yeah. that's lacking for them. There's, there's a big technique uh, that we health coaching uses called crowding out. Crowding out. Crowding cool. out. Um, so it's, uh, you already know what you need. And instead of like taking on this X, Y, and Z things that uh, like conventional medicine might say that you should do, yeah. you know what you need. Mm-hmm. Let's crowd out all of that the noise mm-hmm. with more of what feeds you yeah yeah that's really great advice I mean yeah we're all intuitive people and no one knows you better than you know yourself exactly that's amazing I love that and so talk to me about actually so you got your certification and you decided to create bloom talk about that journey a little bit so yeah, I I did a, a think tank with uh, Sarah Glancy um, oh, and her Sarah Glancy. I we love her. I love that girl. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, I did a think tank with her, uh, trying to understand what I wanted Bloom to be, um, yeah. because nutrition school I felt was very um, for the obligers. Yeah. <laughs> I did a think tank with Sarah Glancy, just being like, this is the audience that I want to work with, um, and let's make a business that adheres to them. Yeah. And recently I've realized that, in discovering my why recently, through the Biz of Show, I realized that, uh, so originally Bloom was for millennial women in New York City, Mm -hmm. um, specifically because there's so much misinformation about how our health works um and especially uh because like when you look at like how you should plan your day you know like all of those things that are like the this is what successful people do to plan their day and all these things that's based off male hormones yes all of these all of those sort of like ways pathways to success how you should be living your life they're all based on male hormones why is that because males are the ones who do they do studies on yeah. They rarely use menstruating women, specifically menstruating women, in studies That's at all. So nuts. Mm-hmm. They'll use postmenopausal women 
in studies, but okay. menstruating women, because our cycle is a month long, which actually changes so much. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I'm sure it would be very <clears throat> difficult, of course, but like worth doing. Yeah, but it's it causes so many more variables that they don't want to have yeah. to deal with. I so they it. can't control their, they can't say like this is definitively the results. Yes. But I also think that's what's so amazing about our gender. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. I love to um, tout this book, Women Code. Women Code. Everybody look it up. Yes. Women Code by Putting Alyssa. Putting it in the show notes. Do it, do it. By Alyssa Vitti. Um, she is a complete pioneer in understanding women's health. And not just like, this is your reproductive cycle, but this is how your brain reacts to it from week to week. Wow. It's so cool. When we're menstruating, the two halves of our brain are actually the most interconnected than any other gender on any other hormone bath. Wow. Yeah. So, like, when you're, you know, like, there's that stereotype about the, the woman who's on her period and she's crying all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the feelings that are coming up for you during that time are uh, the two halves of your brain being like, this is intuition. This is subconscious things that we're noticing. So the feelings that are coming up are things that you should pay attention to throughout the whole time, throughout the yeah. whole month. Yeah. And instead, we write them off completely. Exactly. Wow. <sighs> mind-blowing yeah so like that was that was originally what i created roundabout way that was what i originally created bloom to try to fix in in a small scale that i could reach um and in discovering my why i realized that i don't want don't just want to help women i want to help everybody i can reach yeah so i'm trying to expand it to include men now as well would you mind sharing with us where your why is at right now yeah I, I want to fight convention, um, society's convention. I, the conformity, all of those, I just want rebels everywhere. <laughs> rebels much. everywhere. I want, Dream world. I want everyone to be themselves. And especially, um, I want to uh, help the, the fishes who... Let's talk have, about the fishes. Yeah, the fishes. I love this. <laughs> so there's a, an education quote that's like, If you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, you'll never know how far it can swim. That's not the exact quote. I think I made that up at one point. (laughs) Um, But I I want to work with those fishes, and I want them to know that they can swim and to help to, like, tell them, go swim. You can Mm -hmm. swim real far. Right. Yeah. I love that so much. I think that's really beautiful. And I think that that is so specific that it will resonate it's the kind of thing where it'll resonate or it won't. Yeah. And like, what a great way to piece apart who's it for, who's it not for. Yes. As Jen Waldman often yeah. talks about. <laughs> and and Seth Godin, I think that might be originally from him. Oh um, well, yeah, I, I I feel like Jen Waldman is like the the lens through which we see a lot of Seth Godin. Yes, I love that. That's beautifully said. And I think one of the great things about knowing your why and having such a clear purpose and intent is that it will be alienating to some people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the fish metaphor, if it resonates with people, like they'll know exactly where to go and mm-hmm. to go to you. Yeah. The the whole it not resonating with some people though is like really good though. I think like just for everybody in general to have yeah. something where you know like this is not who it, this is who it's not for. Yeah. Um which I love quotes. It reminds me of that quote um, by Eleanor Roosevelt. That's like, um, if you've never made an, uh, if you have no enemies, it means you never stood for something. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying that deciding who your work is not for is making enemies, but stand for something. Yeah. Yeah. That 
what you do doesn't have to be loved by everyone or Mm -hmm. liked by everyone. And I think, you know, let me put words into your mouth really quickly, but I feel like that must be one of the benefits of being a rebel is maybe you feel a little bit less of that desire for everyone to to like you or get you or you know resonate with what you're doing yeah i mean i certainly feel like i want everyone to like me but then i talk to people and they're like no you totally don't give a shit i'm like you're right (laughs) you're right (laughs) yeah you probably just feel like it's something you're supposed to feel because you're probably around a lot of obligers a lot of the time and so many obligers feel that way yeah i mean i i rebels are motivated by what they want Mm -hmm. um or they're um i motivated by identity mm-hmm. uh so like who they want to be yeah and interesting i i want to be like a part of a community and mm-hmm. all of these wonderful things that involve other people yeah and you can't have that interaction without wanting to connect and yeah be like other people and have people like you and all those sort yeah. of things a rebel doesn't have to be a lone wolf yes yeah really the heart of the matter of it, at least the way that Gretchen Rubin defines it is it's not about not wanting to be around other people it's not needing their expectations of you to yeah. feel you and expectations is the key word when it comes to like defining those yeah. four tendencies um, it's funny that uh, we're talking about lone wolves and rebels because mm-hmm. um, I the book the second book that I'm writing the novel okay. um, is about werewolves and a lone wolf Wow. Discovering how she's alone. It's called Lone. <laughs> lone! Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, yeah. I mean, what a perfect person to write that book. Yeah, it clearly resonated with that yeah. <laughs> from a young age. Because I started that book when I was 16. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's incredible. It's on its fifth edit. But it's one of those sort of things where it's like you only become a better artist as you of course, age. Yeah. So like... There's still some chapters that are the same wording, or that that like yeah. I s- wrote back then. But for the most part, it's it's only getting better. And I'm sure, yeah. Is this part of what you're working on with the artist's way? Yes. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Um, and especially uh, since like being an actor, you can't like being an actor is an interpretive artist, and you yes. can't create your own work. Um, I just by being an actor you have to like do more right um and i am a sense of both so like definitely by doing the artist's way i can apply that to any work that i'm doing at the moment right now it's loan so yeah so i mean do you feel like talking a little bit about your experience with the artist's way i know it's such a i have never personally done it it's i've owned the book for about a year and it's one of those things that i'm like i know i need to do that but i know so many people have been through it I know so many people have started it and not completed it. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you on the journey? How are you finding it? Um, it's actually right next to you. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm loving it, but I'm also really loving it because it's, it is like a ladder in a sense. It is like a, yeah. you have step a by step. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a, a reading assignment where you read the chapter, mm-hmm. you have writing assignments, which are super small. It's like answer this one question. Yeah. Uh, five people you admire. <laughs> Done. Right. It's, it's really easy, but it's, it's where morning pages come from. Right. I hate morning pages. I know. That's like the main <clears throat> thing I know about the artist way is mm-hmm. the morning pages. I hate them. I hate them. I'm surprised because you're a writer. <laughs> yes. But I don't want to write first thing in the morning. Oh, I I want to like cuz uh biology. Uh first th- first thing in the morning you get a cortisol shot. 
when you wake up, like that's why you wake up. Right. Um, and so like first thing in the morning is when I have all this energy. Yeah. I want to go to the gym. I want to do all of these like physical things instead of sitting down and writing. Yeah. So that takes so little physical energy and I want to move. Sure. But you don't feel like that energy like energizes your brain to No, my brain's not awake yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my third matcha. I'm finally like waking up. See, I'm to quote Princess Fiona, I've always been a morning person, and uh, I do. I, I wake up, yes. and I my husband hates it. I wake up, the birds are singing, mm. and my brain is very awake. But I haven't ever really been someone who's let me wake up and immediately do something physical. Mm. I've always been very mentally energized and very like I enjoy kind of my zen morning. But my brain has so much energy that I often like to get things done. But not physical things like yeah. mental things done first thing in the morning. So it's funny to me. Yeah. What um, time do you feel you get tired during uh, the day? Oh, during the day, I'm definitely. I could go to bed at nine o'clock. I usually go to bed sometime closer to eleven. Mm. But I, that was one of the things that encouraged me to leave the restaurant industry. Is it just was not my like. It was putting me in a schedule I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. I was going to bed, you know, one or two in the morning and waking up nine or ten in the yeah, morning. Yeah, that's why I had to stop bartending. Yeah, it's just like, that's not what my body really wants to do. And I'm willing to do something more that looks more like that when I'm doing a show, of course. Yeah. Although that's not nearly as late well, as Also because a doing a show is like soul feeding. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, you know, how I'm kind of surprised now that we're talking more that you would do the artist's way and resonate with the artist's way being a rebel. What, what makes you say that? Because it seems like something it seems like something an upholder would be very successful at. Mm. Maybe even a questioner, though I think it would take a questioner just so long, and I think an obliger would need like an artist's way accountability partner. Yeah. And I think your average rebel would be sort of resistant to everything. Like, I don't like morning pages. I don't want to do that in the morning. (laughs) I mean, I haven't done morning pages today or yesterday. Um, (laughs) But uh, rebels are motivated by what they want. And I I want to be, I want to connect more with my inner child. Yeah. Which is really what the artist way is about. Yeah. Um, I did a guitar series with Rick Molina and the whole time he was just talking about his inner child and like this is what makes good artists is I have to protect my inner child and Mm. I want to be that type of artist. Yeah. Um, I've always thought of myself as crafty, Mm. not necessarily as artistic, which is funny because I've been writing since before I knew how to write. (laughs) There's photos of me as a three-year-old with a pen and paper in my hand, just scribbling, writing stories that I can't read back. Right, right. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, But you didn't consider that artistic. I I don't know. I've always been like a a daydreamer and all these things, but I never... uh, was one to like fully put it into practice necessarily mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like i i always drew a lot oh wow i drew I a that. shit ton i don't anymore um mm. and i don't know why well i do know why i used to draw as a like i was just a big doodler okay it was it was my way of like not paying attention in class yeah daydreaming <laughs> yep yeah. um and now that i'm not like in classes anymore i don't 
you have nothing to escape. So I exactly interesting. Um, but have so you I, thought about picking it back up? I have through the artist's way. Right when they're like, do something that you used to do as a child. Uh, sign up for a pottery class or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I should. To draw something. Yeah, that's what brought um, Jeremy Greenbaum back to drawing. He was my first guest on the Dreaded Question, and now he has the brand of the Huckle Cactus. Yes, he's <clears throat> incredible. Mm. And uh, but what brought him back to drawing in the first place was the artist's way. Mm. Yeah. So you didn't want to think of yourself as crafty. Yes, my mom was out of my parents. My mom's the crafty one. Um, a lot of trips to AC Moore as a kid. I don't know um, what AC Moore is. AC Moore is like Michael's. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like the upper New York <laughs> Michael's. Got it. A um, lot of trips there. And like that was a very happy place yeah, for me. Yeah, such a haven. Oh, I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> and so like I've always been artistic in a this is productive yeah. sort of way. We're, yes, we're making we're a making thing. making something. Totally. Um, and like through the artist way, like I, side note, I, I want to renovate a, a, a van for people to live in. That's like a, a small project I'm definitely going to do in for maybe, other people to live in. First, I want would it be like a tiny house or like a RV type thing. Like a like one of those vans that people renovate yeah. and like they travel then, like, the travel country. Around. Yeah, I don't want to travel the country in a van. Yeah, um, I have a friend who's gonna do that. I, I want to make one though. Yeah. I want to make it and sell it. I'm um, sure there's a like market for that. Oh yeah, it's a cool thing to do right oh, now. Oh yeah, cool. yeah. So I've always been uh, like crafty in terms of being artistic for a productive purpose. Right. And I, that's not conducive to being an artist in New York City necessarily, mm-hmm. or at least the the things that I, the mediums that I want to, that I whether I work in. Yeah, it's a different skill set. For yeah. Sure. So. Um, I want to consider myself as artistic. Yeah. So, the artist's way. That's a really beautiful distinction I've never really thought about. The distinction between being crafty and artistic. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's splitting hairs, but I do think that there is a difference, and I think especially telling yourself that you're one of those things... You know, I think I think a lot of people hesitate to call themselves an artist or artsy or artistic or any of those words because it feels like... It's this imposter thing, thing almost. Yeah, like other people do that, or other, you know, like yeah. I haven't earned that. Like, mm-hmm. what do I have to show that makes me artsy, or, you know? I, yeah. And I think with being crafty, one of the cool things is there's often something to show. Like, oh yeah, I made this bench, I made this van, yep. I made this thing, you know? I made this sign above my right. TV. Yeah. So you can see I'm crafty, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that, that feels great. But yeah, I think. For yourself, finding where those words bleed together and what exactly that means for you has probably been really beneficial. Yeah. Something that you said earlier on that I thought was really interesting is that you hate the dreaded question for all three of your businesses. Yeah. I think of it as such an artist-specific problem, but I'm hearing more and more recently that it's really not, that people in other industries feel the same kind of pressure when that question is posed to them. Yeah. With three careers being asked, what are you up to? It's It feels like there's just more pressure that I have to be doing something for each of them. Sure. In a sense, it's definitely me judging myself. Yeah. 100%. It's definitely me saying, like, if I answer, this is something I'm doing with this one career, mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, well, they must think I'm not doing something with the other two. Yeah. That's so funny because I would think it would be the opposite that, like, 
with three careers, it gives you triple the chance of having a response when someone asks what you're up to. Yeah. But it's so funny that you've put equal pressure on yourself to have an amazing answer for all three of them individually. Or just an answer. Yeah, exactly. I, I really like to, when I think about my successes, when I think about the failures that I've had, I always turn them into a success somehow because I, yeah. I don't believe in regret. Uh-huh. And I'm always more interested in just having any success for all three. And because I do three things, mm-hmm. I don't always have, uh, like, sometimes I haven't worked on one of my three careers in like a week. Sure. So I don't always have um, something to supply people. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which, like, who cares? But I do get it. Actually, that reminds me of something that the amazing Peter Shepard once said to me I love him so much and adore him and he is such a treasure in my life because I started doing so many more things I have felt that I felt that sense of overwhelm and how do I know what to focus on and I don't want to neglect anything but I also really don't want to do you know five things badly Mm. and the way he phrased it to me I'm you know paraphrasing and probably completely destroying it I don't even know where he got this idea I don't have a source for it but the idea is that If a donkey needs both food and water, and there's a barrel of water to its right and a barrel of food to its left, it could easily go back and forth saying, I'm so thirsty, I'm so hungry, I'm so thirsty, I'm so hungry. And by not taking care of either of them, he dies of starvation and thirst. Mm. Whereas he could have simply gone to the water bucket, gotten some water, and then gone to the food bucket and gotten some food, and he would have been fine. Yep. And weird of a metaphor as that is it really resonated with me of stop just sitting here being like well what do I work on what do I do like how do I take care of all of it choice fatigue almost yes too many too many things and you know not giving yourself permission to just okay well this week I'm just gonna think about this one thing Mm. or I have you know my agent got me three auditions next week I guess next week is actor week yeah and I'm really just gonna focus on that and some other things are gonna have to be on the back burner and that's really gonna have to be okay that's kind of first of all with the the donkey scenario my brain immediately thought well the donkey should eat some water dense food (laughs) (laughs) um so something that comes up for me a lot when talking to people especially people who have multiple parallel careers outside of their artistry is the question of how you manage to balance all of those things because even just being an actor feels like so much Mm -hmm. so what's your what's your magical formula for that uh For me, well, first of all, like, being in the health coach world, balance is kind of, like, how um, I've been trained to work my brain and lifestyle, in a sense. Yeah. Since health coaching. Um, but very much boundaries are, Interesting. Yeah. are like, the, the key word. What um, are some that you've set up for yourself? Uh, as, yeah, as, as an ambivert, um, I know ambivert is not introvert or extrovert. I need both. Yeah. So, like, I know for me, um, like, a certain amount, I can only say yes to a certain amount of social commitments every week. Um, And working the balance of I have to say no to this class or say no to just saying no to certain things so that I can work on something else. Yeah. Um, And being a woman (laughs) with a 30-day hormone cycle. Right. This is, like, a big thing. Um, I will wake up and be like, this is what I want to work on today because this is where my brain's at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think part of the gift for yourself of 
having the training that you have and having your health coaching is that you are so in tune with that and what that means for you. Mm -hmm. And we kind of touched on this earlier, but of not just ignoring that and pushing that away of like, yeah. you know, if you're breaking down crying during your period, not being like, well, I'm just on my period, like it's dumb, whatever. Yeah. You can really use that information to fuel you mm -hmm. and make yourself as productive as possible. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and like a big thing, like there's, there's a whole like self-care movement happening. Yes. And there's, I feel like people are always like between like, self-care is stupid because it's just a way to put up being productive. And then there's mm -hmm. people who are head first into all the self-care. Yeah. And it's a balance, just like everything else. Yeah. You, like, sometimes you have to say yes to the self-care, and sometimes you have to understand that, like, no, I, I want to be working. I should be living with integrity right now. Yeah, sometimes that is self-care. Yeah. Is choosing to focus on on the work and, you know, get getting things done yeah. will ultimately your future self that's somehow sometimes how I think of self-care is like what does my future self need from me and so do you find that you typically make the decision of which career you're gonna kind of put at the forefront or the focus in this balancing act do you just kind of make that intuitively or do you have like a more finite plan I try to make a finite plan <laughs> Um, I have calendars that I try to like color coordinate like this say, week. I'm looking at them on the wall and they're beautiful and coordinated. <laughs> um, I try to do like a, well, this thing should really be done. I, I should really get new headshots. Mm -hmm. So this should really be the forefront of yeah. my week is like decide is deciding when to get my hair recolored to then pick a photographer right. based on these recommendations from people and right. weed out like who's too expensive, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The whole, the whole package to get that package. Yeah. Um, but then I am a rebel, so sometimes I just put it off for the next day because I want to work on loan. And that's, that's what happened yesterday. Yeah. Was I was supposed to have a very, um, theatrically focused week. That mm -hmm. was the plan. Yeah. And instead, every day I woke up and was like, loan, I'm work I'm writing today. Yeah. I feel like writing. And honestly, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because it is like a, that's what I love about having the three careers that I've chosen to have is that I get to decide when I want to do whatever. They're completely self-made. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it you are a very intuitive person. You might as well go with your intuition. And if you're feeling that inspiration to work on something, you know, why suppress that? You might as well ride the wave. Yeah. So the, the big buzzwords have already come up in this episode mm -hmm. of success and failure. Mm-hmm. So, would you be willing to share with us a success, sorry, a failure and a success? Let's end on a success. Sure. Um, although you did already say you don't really believe in failures. Yeah, so I don't. Help um, us out without reframe. <laughs> the, I listened to, I listened to the dreaded question, obviously. Um, <laughs> and you had, it was Nico? Yes. Uh, who mentioned that his failure was still working on something. Yeah. And that... Resonated. That resonated. I was like, yes, this this I do consider <laughs> failure for me. The fact that I'm still working on my novel is what I would consider. I, it's, it's not wasted time because I've still worked on so many different aspects of the artistry of making a novel. Uh -huh. um, but for sure, the fact that I'm still working on it, I'm like... God damn it. <laughs> but I do feel like there's... Uh, I, I do feel like there's a success in oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's absolutely successes in there. <laughs> because, like, you could have let that go at any point, and mm -hmm. you could have just let it die. And I think... 
I couldn't have though at the same time mm, um, I mean there's did you read Big Magic? no Big Magic? Uh, Big Magic by the same writer as it's Liz something by the same writer as Eat, Pray, Love oh I can't believe that I have no idea what this is because obviously I Ooh. loved um, Eat, Pray, Love and magic is like such a big word in my life and in the dreaded question I need to get it immediately um, big magic is, it's, it's a lot like The Artist's Way, and mm-hmm. it does, uh, like, The Artist's Way has this idea of inspiration comes to you from, like, the ether of the universe, mm-hmm. and it's just floating around, and when it strikes you, that's good onward direction, I do believe she calls it, mm. um, in The Artist's Way. Yes. In Big Magic, uh, she reframes it, well, rephrases it to be uh, like creativity is everywhere and inspiration and ideas are like sitting right next to us yes all around and um if an idea comes to you you have to keep with that idea or it'll go find somebody else yes i when i was in illinois i went back to my alma mater and visited for a day and my professor said something about about that idea and like that's why so many shows, movies, adaptations of the same thing happen at the same time Mm. um, or with very similar things going on with them but um, or like themes or styles because those things are in the universe and you know we some of the same people can see it and pick it out of the mm-hmm. out of the ether and run with it. Yeah. And I, I do find that oddly inspiring and encouraging because it makes me be like, okay, if I have a, an idea, I better go for it because somebody else probably has it. Yeah. And yeah. I want to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I have... I'm very much into uh, lore and mythology and yes. stuff. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I, I have two ideas for novels. The one I'm working on right now, and then another one that will come later. Mm-hmm. And I am gripping those ideas <laughs> with a death grip because they're my ideas. Right. <laughs> they're not going to find somebody else. Right. Um, right. <laughs> No, no. So, uh, with that stubborn tenacity, I, uh, have not let go of writing the book. Yeah. Um, also, my dad is, uh, he's a businessman. Yes. Doctor turned businessman. Okay. Um, so he very much, like, keeps after me about writing the book, which sets my rebellious spirit ablaze. I was gonna say, that's and not And is why, helpful. I think it's a big reason why it's taken me so long to write it, because yes. I've had the expectation that I should be writing it. Absolutely. Which is why it was so amazing to discover I'm a rebel, because then I can flip that on its, I'm hoping I can flip it on its head and be like, no, but you want to finish this book, who cares what the expectations are? Yeah, I do very much believe that that is the value in personality quizzes Mm. is just getting more in tune with yourself and what that means for your learning style, creative style, all these things so that you can better help yourself succeed. And I think it's awesome that the four tendencies have done that for you. Yeah. Because also it's it's what resonates with you. So like if you take a quiz and it it doesn't resonate, then it's just a stupid quiz. If it resonates, that's that's an answer for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And then... How about some success? I mean, we already unpacked how that's actually a success, but um, do you have any other successes you'd like to share? A success, most recently, yesterday, I figured out uh, what characters are going to die in the rewrite of the book. That's huge. That is huge. I don't know anything about writing, but that seems like a big step. I I traded it off. Uh, It goes from uh, this one character who originally dies um, to, like, cause the big emotional 
upgrade, whatever, for the protagonist to Mm -hmm. now it's somebody else and it means so much more and the stakes are upped and I'm cutting out all of the the fluff of extra characters, um, distilling it down into, like, uh, the original... So the novel's finished, but it's it's being rewritten. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first draft, full draft, there there was like eighty beats that I hit, that I hit. Yeah. Because um, I kind of approached it as a script writing. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and now uh, there's twenty. Wow. Way to go. Yeah. Just like zone in, narrow yep. it down. Get and focused. I figured that out. I clarified that yesterday. That's huge. Yeah. That's a really big success. That Congratulations. Is <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Again, knowing nothing about writing, that all sounds like huge, phenomenal work. Thank you. Cora, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been so great having you. I have a very rich list of things to link in the show notes, including Cora's health coaching website, her book that's already been released. I will make sure to update you guys when her novel is released, um, as well as so many resources that you shared with us. It's going to be a very rich show notes, so please check <laughs> it out. Um, and again, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for, first of all, thank you for doing this show, because oh, it's an absolute like inspirational joy to listen to. Thank you. Um, and thank you, above all, for having me. It's been awesome. I mean, didn't I tell you she was smart and wonderful? I feel like Cora shared so much personal wisdom on how she makes it all work and all of the effort she's put into knowing what she needs. It was honestly a relief for me to hear that it doesn't all just come naturally to her because she truly makes it look so easy. As I mentioned, I've collected all of the amazing resources Cora shared with us in today's show notes, so definitely don't miss out on those. And if you're interested in learning more about her health coaching services through Unstuck Health, feel free to reach out to Cora through her newly updated website. I hope this episode was as inspiring for you as it was for me. And as always, I encourage you to reach out to me at thedreadedquestionpodcast at gmail.com with any questions that came up for you from today's episode. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question.